What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled, as always, by the great folks at Nerd Tees. And welcome to week two of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2018-2019 NFL regular season. And we are off to a late start today. It is quarter after 11 in the morning. This is about two hours later than I would typically start recording, but because the NFL had that lovely doubleheader last night on Monday Night Football, I barely got any sleep. As I mused on Twitter late last night before the game ended, Bridgewater's Finest is Bridgewater's Tiredest today, which is why I'm rocking my second cup of tea already in the day. And to be quite honest, we kind of got off to a slow start in week one. It's actually the first time in a couple of years that straight up in week one, I was under 500. I only went 7, 8, and 1 with the inconceivable Pittsburgh-Cleveland 21-21 tie. So 7 correct, 8 incorrect with the 1 tie already. Now against the spread, I did have a pretty respectable showing. I went 9, 6, and 1 against the spread. So we did push on the one spread. That was Seattle plus 3. They lost that game by exactly 3 points. So we pushed on that one. We actually got the Pittsburgh-Cleveland one because I took Cleveland plus four. And over-under, we just treaded water. We were only seven and nine on the over-under, so we definitely want to improve there because in the CFL, the over-unders have been trending pretty well all season long, so we definitely want to turn around the over-under. But yeah, just kind of a mediocre start across the board. Taking a look at the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks from week one. We'll start with the bronze pick. I had the Lions beating the Jets. Holy crap, did that ever not work out? Detroit lays an absolute steaming rotten egg at home in their opener, losing to the Jets 48-17. to So obviously, that was a straight-up loss for yours truly. Now, against the spread, I did win that because I did take the Jets plus six and a half. I felt that that six and a half points was too many. Clearly it was. It wasn't over under loss though, as I told you to stay under 44 and a half points and the Jets clear that on their own. We go to the silver pick, which was the Packers over the Chicago Bears. Boy, was that ever not looking good through the first half. And then Aaron Rodgers came back and did Aaron Rodgers things and Green Bay won the game by a single point. 24 to 23. We actually swept this pick, and it was the first pick of the season to sweep, uh, and I felt really good about it. Straight up win against the spread, it was a win because I took the underdog side of that line as well. Chicago plus seven and a half points in a tight division matchup. They only lost the game by the single point. And in the over-under, it was a win. I told you to stay under 47 and a half, and it only gets to 47 points. The gold pick. Speaking of sweeping picks, the Minnesota Vikings over the San Francisco 49ers. That works out. Minnesota wins that game 24-16. to Straight up win. Won it against the spread, as I told you to take Minnesota, who were favored by six points at home. And it was an over-under win, as I told you to stay under the 46 points. And the game only gets to 40. And we go to the platinum pick, which was my biggest loss of the week. Obviously, I took the New Orleans Saints over the Tampa Bay Bucks, and uh, I don't know what happened. The Saints defense reverted to like two years ago. They lost that game 48-40, to an 88-point game 
right away in week one. Who doesn't love that as football? I'll tell you who doesn't love that. Saints fans. So it was a straight up loss. It was also an against the spread loss because I was on New Orleans side of that line, minus nine and a half. But at least I did manage to salvage an over under win there. As I told you to go over 49 and a half points and Tampa almost clears it on their own. So with the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks, I was only two and two straight up, but the betting picks worked out fairly well. Against the spread, I was three and one, only missed the New Orleans line, and over under, I was also three and one, only missed the total in Detroit, New York. Taking a look at the Bridgewater's Finest and NFL YouTube Prognosticator's official pick'em pools, we'll start, of course, in mine, the Bridgewater's Finest pool. I currently sit in 25th place out of 41, so right in that nice, meaty part of the curve. But before we go any further, uh, we got 41 people in the pick'em pool. That's insane. That's more than we had at the end of last season, which is incredible. We got 41 people in the pick'em pool. If you didn't get in in week one, that's okay. You still got time to get in, but we got 41 I only sit in 25th place. I got 70 points total on the season. That's about 51% of the point total that you could bring in. Usually what we find is that the person that wins the pool is sitting somewhere around 70%. So I've definitely got some work to do. In week one, I only brought in, again, 70 of 136 possible confidence points. Only a clip of 51% gotta be better shout out to our week one winner and of course first overall leader mn beast my boy beast he's been a, a viewer of mine for a while he's been pretty active in the community he's an awesome guy mn beast leads this thing after week one with an incredible 12 3 and 1 opening week 112 out of 136 possible confidence points that is a clip of 82%. That is a huge week one, and it's got him out to a pretty healthy lead, obviously, as the overall leader after the first week. So shout out to MN Beast for winning week one and being the overall leader. In the official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pool, which isn't against the spread pool, I currently sit in 17th place. Out of 49 people in the pool, hey, we got 49 people in the pool, that's incredible. I got 9 against the spread picks correctly based on Yahoo's lines, out of a possible 16, that's 56%. I've always looked at 60% as some kind of like, kind of quote-unquote magic number for a capper, like I would feel really good about being 60% against the spread. So I'm at 56% right now, still got to do a little bit of work, but I kind of like where my against the spread picks were in week one, got nine of the 16 correct. Shout out to our week one winner and overall leader, Q8 Madness, went 13 of 16 picking the spreads based on Yahoo's lines. That's a clip of 81%. That's phenomenal. So shout out to Q8 Madness for winning week one and being the overall leader in the YouTube progs pool. And once again, shout out to MN Beast for winning week one in the Bridgewater's Finest pool and being our overall leader there. As I believe I mentioned in last week's episode, I'm taking part in a couple of survival pools this season as well. The first pool is... Chris Carter, the Hatbox Kid, it's the Hatbox Survival Pool. That's got 33 people in it from the start of the season. It does not have 33 people in it anymore. We are now down to 20. 13 people went out in week one of the Survival Pool. The New Orleans Saints obviously having a lot to do with that. 
I am still alive in the hatbox pool. I took Baltimore last week. They cruised to a win over Buffalo. So I took Baltimore. I'm still alive. I'm one of just 20 of 33 original members who are still alive in Hatbox's survival pool. I'm in a second survival pool that is actually full, I believe. It's got a full 100 people in it. I think Yahoo might cap it at 100 or, or whatever. Seemed weird that it was exactly 100 people. So I'm in a pool that's got 100 people. I'm still alive in that one as well. I am one of only 44 who survived the first week. 56% of the people in the survival pool, eh, they're done after the first week. In that pool, I took Carolina to beat Dallas at home. They did that. I'm still alive in both of my survival pools through week one, so that deserves at least a small pat on the back. Let's take a peek now into Fantasy Corner to see how my eight fantasy football teams this season did in week one action. I kind of treaded water as a whole with my fantasy teams this week, only went four and four. In the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, I put up a loss against Feed Zeke, that is Rich Johnson, and I was projected to win that game by I think 20-some points, ended up losing it by a point and a half, that is about as close as it gets in our league, which is a high-scoring league. So I start off the season 0-1, I have a week two matchup against Anthony Cormier, Tony Cormier, good friend of mine from high school and university, that's a projected loss for me as well, so I got some work to do this week in the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, as I remind you, I am the defending champion in that league. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I took the win in Week 1 over Chalupa Batman to start off the Season 1-0. and oh. In Week 2, I got a matchup with Chris Carter, the Hatbox Kid, or as he's known in the league, Gracie Manor Ghouls. That is a projected win for me right now. I certainly can't get overconfident because anything can happen in Fantasy Football. Just look at my matchup last week with Feed Zeke. That's Fantasy Corner. Only 4-4. Four and four. Slow start to the season. And of course, I will take this opportunity to remind you that if you go to the description on the YouTube video or on SoundCloud, you are going to find all of my straight up against the spread and over under results from last week and totals on the season. You're going to find all my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week two of the NFL season. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick them pools it is not too late to join those pools put your picks head to head against mine and a ton of other people that are within this community let's see how your picks do straight up against ours you're going to find information on joining the nfl youtube prognosticators facebook page where we talk football all damn week long there's a great thread for every single week a bunch of great prognosticators videos are all arranged in that lovely thread boom find all your videos in one place fantastic resource for you and of course you're going to find information on nerd tees nerdtees.ca use the promo code bwfinest save yourself 15 percent at checkout for all your tea and tea accessory needs christmas is coming up gifts are always a thing that need to be bought around this time of year nerd tees is a great resource for you not only will you save the 15 percent at checkout but if you're in canada you're going to get free shipping on any order that's over 50 bucks I should know, I just made an order of over 50 bucks and I didn't pay any shipping on it. You are also going to get a great conversion on the US dollar if you live in the United States. 
Ruby's website, nerdtees.ca, will do the conversion for you right on the page. You can choose Canadian dollars or US dollars. So it's going to do the conversion right there for you. Go to nerdtees.ca, use that promo code BWFINEST, and find yourself something to love. All right, folks, without further ado, let's go into the picks for week two of the 2018 NFL season. We are going to start in Cincinnati for a hard-fought AFC North matchup between the Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. Both the Ravens and the Bengals are on the happy side of par after week one. They both won last week. Cincinnati with an 11-point decision. Baltimore winning their game by 44 points, putting up a 47-3 beatdown on the Buffalo Bills. Baltimore winning that game at home, Cincinnati traveled to Indianapolis and got the win. Gotta tell you something, really liked how the Ravens' offense looked against, admittedly, not a great defense in Buffalo, but man, that offense looked good. They moved the ball through the air, they moved the ball on the ground, they finished, put up a ton of points. That's about all you can ask from an offense. And, you know, I said what I just said there about Buffalo's defense from last season. They were 26th in total defense last year, but they did only give up 22.4 points per game last season. So this was not a terrible scoring defense that the Ravens just did that to. Bengals were all right moving the ball last week in their own right. They put up 330 total yards against the Colts, 229 through the air. You'd like to see maybe a little bit more from Andy Dalton than 229. Seems like he'd be pretty well a lock for 240, 250 most weeks. But they did put up 101 yards on the ground, which is a really good sign for that Cincinnati run game. If anyone needs a reminder, the Bengals were one of the worst run offenses in football last season, only averaged about 85 yards a game. These two teams did manage to put up pretty darn decent total numbers in terms of stopping the run last week. Now look, the Colts are not really known as a team that runs the football, so where Cincinnati you know, only gave up 75 yards rushing, that's great. It's not really against a team that runs the ball. They were not really able to stop the passing game. Cincinnati did give up 305 yards through the air last week to Andrew Luck. Baltimore, as a graphic comparison, only gave up 70 yards passing. And again, you got to take into context, that was mostly against Nathan Peterman. Games in Cincinnati, which certainly helps the Bengals' chances, but man, like I said, I really liked what I saw from the Ravens' offense last week. Let's see them try to duplicate that now on the road, where historically, you know, not great, on the road against a division opponent, this is going to be a tight game. It's going to be one of those roughneck, classic AFC North matchups. I still kind of like the Ravens, man. I like the Ravens' upside in this matchup just a little bit more than I like the Bengals. Both of these teams went 3-3 three and three in the division last season. Ravens actually were 4-4 four and four on the road, which means they, quote, did their job. Bengals were only 4-4 four and four at home. You would hope for a team to be above 500 at home if they're going to be a competitive football team. I'm going to go with my gut here. I'm going to take the Ravens and the potential of that offense that I saw last week. I'm going to take the Ravens on the road in Cincinnati to beat the Bengals. Against the spread, this game is right now a pick'em. So obviously, I like Baltimore to win. Let's take Baltimore as a pick'em. Total in the game sits at 44 points, which I think is fairly close. I could see like a, maybe a 45 or a 46 or maybe even a 40 or a 41. So it's, it's one of those really, really, really good numbers. I think I'm going to stay under on it because I think Cincinnati's defense 
is improved. I think it is better. They're, they're not playing Andrew Luck this week. They should be able to keep the combination of Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson, however that combination happens to turn out. I think they will probably be able to keep them under what they gave up to Andrew Luck last week. So we're going to stick under on that one, under 44 points. We got a bit of a parade of division matchups here before we get into some of the later games. So we're going to go to another one. We're going to go to Atlanta now where the Falcons are going to play host to the Carolina Panthers, two teams going in opposite directions from last week. Carolina, as I mentioned earlier when I was talking about my survival pool pick, Carolina picked up a 16-8 victory at home against Dallas in week one. The Falcons dropping an 18-12 decision to the reigning Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. That, of course, was in Philadelphia. So it's another instance here of a really wide chasm in terms of opponent. There's a big difference between playing Dallas in your own building and going into Philadelphia to play the Eagles. So the results from this season, it's really tough to look at them and be like, oh, well, you know, clearly Carolina has the edge here. Neither one of these teams moved the ball particularly well in their game last week. Atlanta, 299 total yards. Carolina, 293. Cam Newton only put up a buck 46 through the air at home against Dallas. That's not going to be good enough on the, on the season as a whole. Now, they did supplement that by actually getting more yards in the run game. Only one more, but still. 147 yards rushing. Atlanta only able to put up 74 on the Eagles' defense. And I think that's notable because if you look at the stats from last season, Philadelphia and Carolina's run defenses were fairly comparable in terms of total run D. Philadelphia was the number one run defense in football last year, only giving up 79 yards a game on the ground. Carolina was number three. They only gave up 88. That's a damn good run defense, and Ezekiel Elliott can tell you all about it. So I got to be a little, eh, I got to be a little squirrely about Atlanta's prospects for moving the ball on the ground against what was a really good run defense. Now, it kind of works in their favor. They were an above average run offense last season, but it, it, they were only 13th. So it's not like they weren't inside the top 10. They certainly weren't inside the top five. They didn't sniff the top five. It was by like almost 15 yards a game they didn't sniff the top five. So this is a good run offense. I wouldn't necessarily characterize it as a great run offense. If the quarterbacks are a push, and I'm only going to kind of make this argument, if the quarterbacks are a push between Cam Newton and Matt Ryan, I would say Atlanta has more weapons in the pass game, which probably boosts Matt Ryan's abilities. I think the way the team plays on offense favors Carolina in the run game significantly. Now, Atlanta was a top 10 run defense last season, but they gave up 104 yards a game. So it's not like you can't run on the Falcons defense. They were inside the top 10, but that's still triple digits. I expect to see triple digits on the ground in this football game again. And I think that run game is probably going to be the difference here. I'm going to lean Carolina in what might be an upset. And actually based on the betting line, it is an upset. I'm going to lean Carolina here. I'm going to take the Panthers in Atlanta to beat the Falcons, have the Falcons start the season 0-2. On the line, the Falcons are favored by 5.5 points at home. I think even if you're taking Atlanta in this game, 5.5 points in a division matchup like this is too many. And especially in what I think will be relatively low scoring, a lot of the run game, 
Total in the game is set at 44. I think you stay under that just like you did with Baltimore-Cincinnati. But I got to take Carolina plus 5.5 on that. No matter which way you're going on that, even if you like Atlanta, hedge your bets and take that 5.5 points on the Carolina side. Let's go to Green Bay now where the Packers will play host to the Minnesota Vikings. A highlight matchup of the week already in week two. Like that's a great, that could be a potential like division round matchup. You never know if the Packers do make the playoffs as I think they will if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, which is still a question mark because he kind of looked like he had some, uh, some side effects of some happy pills when he was giving that interview after the game. So it's interesting to see what Aaron Rodgers' health is. Nobody's really talking much about it. Packers are going to play host to the Vikings here. Both of these teams won last week in very different fashions. Minnesota, to me, never felt like they were at risk in that football game at home against the 49ers. The Packers, obviously, looked like warm, stinky garbage in that first half of that football game. They looked terrible on home field against the Chicago Bears, a team that they are better than. Now, luckily, the defense shored up in the second half. They won that game with Aaron Rodgers' heroics, but the defense also did its job. Mitch Trubisky got lost in the moment. Boom, the Packers wound up winning the game. The Vikings are not going to be susceptible to that. The Vikings are not going to get lost in the moment. This is a team that went to the NFC Championship game last year. They're not going to get lost in the moment. This is a football team that is in win-now mode to win a Super Bowl. Vikings moved the ball very well on the ground in week 116 yards rushing against San Francisco. Green Bay moved the ball great through the air, 301 yards passing for uh, the, as a team. So not just Aaron Rodgers, because of course he did come out of the game for a little bit. But 301 yards passing as a team. They only put up 69 yards on the ground. That's not good. It's not going to be enough. But in talking about the Minnesota run game there, that is just them picking up where they left off from last season. They were the number seven run offense in the NFL, 122.3 yards per game, and that was without Dalvin Cook for most of the season. You know, while watching the Green Bay game, it really felt like the defense was playing horribly in the first half, and maybe they were, but they all, I, maybe they just weren't playing opportunistic because by the numbers, I mean, Green Bay only gave up 294 yards of offense in that game. Like, that's really not that bad. They only gave up a buck 55 through the air to Trubisky. It felt like they were giving up so much more. Now, they did give up 139 yards rushing. So maybe that's why it felt like they were giving up so much more. Felt like they couldn't stop anything in the run game. And if they repeat that against Minnesota, they're going to get blown out. I don't necessarily sense a blowout coming, especially where the game is in Green Bay. I think this thing stays tight. But Minnesota's a better football team. Top to bottom, they're a better football team. I don't think they had any real significant injuries coming out of that game last week. Aaron Rodgers, there's some question marks there. Look, I'm a Packers fan, but I look at this matchup and I know which one of these two teams is the better team, and that's the Minnesota Vikings, and that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to take the Vikings on the road in Green Bay, my third straight road team, by the way, in Green Bay to beat the Packers. On the line, Packers are a one-point favorite here, and they should not be. That team should not be a one-point favorite over the Vikings, and Minnesota's going to prove it 
in their game on uh, Sunday, I believe it is. Yeah, it's on Sunday. Uh, take Minnesota plus one because like I like the Vikings to win, so I really like the Vikings plus one. If I can still get that line, I may consider dropping a unit or two on that. Total in the game is 46.5 points. I think it stays under. Not by a ton, mind you, but I think the Vikings defense is going to come to play in this football game. So I think this game stays low scoring. Let's take under the 46.5 points. Let's go to Tennessee now. Titans versus Texans. Both of these teams losing their games last week by an identical 27 to 20 score. And since both of those teams played games on the road last week, we have our first team that's playing back-to-back roadies. That is the Houston Texans. Always important to point it out because it's difficult to play that second consecutive road game. Now, in saying that both of those teams lost by an identical 27-20 to score, I'm leaving out a certain point, which is that Tennessee lost that game to Miami. Houston lost that game to New England. Slightly different competition. Houston ran the ball great in that game. 167 yards rushing against the Patriots' defense. Uh, If you're playing the Patriots, you might want to run the football. But they only picked up 158 yards through the air. Deshaun Watson not looking particularly good from a statistical standpoint in that football game. Tennessee did a little bit better. 220 yards passing, 116 yards on the ground. So it's a more balanced attack for sure. There's health questions now surrounding both of these starting quarterbacks. Is Mariota going to play? Is Deshaun Watson going to play? Deshaun Watson stretching out his leg after the last play of that game against New England. So there's health question marks around the quarterbacks. Uh, You can see that uh, one team is great at running the ball. The other team is pretty good at running the ball. One team was pretty good at throwing the ball. One team very much was not. And neither of these teams were particularly good at stopping the run last week either. Tennessee gave up 120 yards on the ground. The Texans gave up 122. So neither one of these teams did a particularly good job stopping the ground game. And I believe that was kind of atypical from last season, especially with the Houston Texans. They were actually the number 13 run defense in football last season, only giving up 109 yards per game on the ground. Whereas if you go to look at Tennessee, a little bit further up the rankings, Tennessee, a top five run defense from last season, only 88.8 yards against on the ground. So Tennessee, for sure, looking to shore that up. Houston, for sure, looking to shore that up. In a game that probably will take place almost exclusively on the ground, I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be tight. I think I got to give the edge to the home team here. I think Houston's a better football team, but where the game's in Tennessee, it's a division matchup. I think it's going to be tight. I'm going to skew to the home team in that one, and I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans at home to beat the Texans, start the Texans season off 0-2. Now, there is nothing for this game right now. There's no line. There's no total. So obviously, I will update that for you in the description Uh, in the YouTube video and on SoundCloud once there's actually something to talk about in this game. What I will say, if you get like a mid-40 in this game, like a 45, a 46, maybe a 46 and a half, I would say take the under on it because there's going to be a lot on the ground. Let's go to New York now where the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets put up a hell of a performance against the Detroit Lions. Detroit's defense completely falling apart in that football game. And the Jets taking advantage. Sam Darnold. 
after, you know, the first play, which was a thing that happened and was like peak Jets. It was like peak Jets right there, which is the very first pass of their franchise quarterback's career goes for a pick six. And but that was about all the offense that Detroit mustered in that whole football game. So the Jets, after that point, Darnold settled down. Looks like he's got really good rapport with both Quincy and Nunwa, as well as Robbie Anderson. Hit Robbie Anderson for a deep touchdown pass in that game. Sam Darnold looked pretty good after a shaky start. I was going to say he looked decent, but he was better than decent. He looked pretty good after a shaky start. Miami, on the other end, they also won their game last week and actually looked fairly good doing it. What's going to be really interesting for me to see is that is if the Jets, if that's just a blip on the radar, if that's just they were in the right place at the right time with a Lions defense that completely collapsed, is it just an outlier is this I mean obviously we're not going to look at the Jets it's like they're going to score 40 points a game every week but like is that on the defensive side on the offensive side does that look like what we're going to see from the Jets if it is the Jets could make some noise this season and when you're talking about Miami they had a balanced attack 222 yards through the air 120 yards on the ground that's very good on the defensive side of things, they were, again, kind of average. Gave up 220 yards in the passing game. Gave up 116 yards on the ground. That's not good. That's kind of stinky. So anybody that can run the football it might have some success this season against Miami. Let's take a look and see what the Jets did on the ground. Oh, they only put up 169 yards rushing on Detroit. So, you know, maybe they might be able to find some success there. This is one of those games where you got to hold your nose and take somebody... I like the Jets in this one off of that performance in a big, bad way. Let's take the Jets at home to beat Miami in a division matchup. On the line, Jets are actually one-point dogs at home. Take that. Take the Jets plus one. Most definitely. I like the Jets to win, so I like the Jets plus one. Total in the game is 43 points. I actually kind of think it goes over. I don't think either one of these defenses are spectacular. The Jets certainly looked that way, but I don't think this is a spectacular defense top to bottom i think miami's going to get some points i just think the jets are going to get more so let's go over 43 points in miami new york let's go to tampa now where the surprise of week one along with the jets definitely the tampa bay bucks doing what they did on offense to the new orleans saints that were supposed to be a good defense this season but they're going to have to come home and play host to the defending super bowl champs the philadelphia eagles Bucks were an average home team last season. Four of their five wins came in the friendly confines. Philadelphia was an exceptional road team last season. Won six of their eight games on the road. Only dropped two games all season to NFC opponents. And remember, two of the Eagles' three losses last season came in the last five games. So when everything was basically decided. The Bucks obviously employed a ton of Fitz magic in that game against New Orleans. 417 yards passing for the Bucks in that week one matchup. Ryan Fitzpatrick taking over for Jameis Winston, who's on suspension. Jameis Winston may find that he doesn't have a job when he comes back. Eagles defense only gave up 225 yards passing to Matt Ryan in that football game in week one. I would expect that Fitzpatrick's number is going to look a little bit closer to 225 than it will to 417 this week. But hey, I could be wrong. Eagles also picking up right where they left off on the run defense side of things, only giving up 74 yards in that game against Atlanta. They only gave up 79 per game last season. The Bucks put up 112 yards on the ground 
is that number going to look like triple digits? If it isn't, if it's not triple digits on the ground, I think Tampa Bay is going to be in a lot of trouble here. By no means am I sitting here thinking that Tampa Bay is for real after that game against New Orleans. It was just, I don't know what it was. Week one, division game, I don't know what it was. It was something. I'm not taking anything away from the Bucs. They got the job done. But I'm not going to sit here and say, wow, you know, the Bucs, that's a great offense. Or, wow, it was certainly not a great defense. They gave up 40 points. Uh, I think uh, Philly's going to probably test that, going to push that 40-point limit. I think they definitely get 30 in this game. So I'm going to take Philly. I think you got to take Philly here. Even though they're in Tampa Bay, I'm going to take the Eagles on the road to beat the Bucs in Tampa Bay. If the Bucs win this game, though, we got to start talking about the Bucs more seriously. On the line, the Bucs are a three-point dog at home. Philly favored by three points on the road. I think I have to take that. It's only a field goal. This team won the Super Bowl last year. Whether it's Nick Foles or Carson Wentz, looks like it's going to still be Nick Foles. Carson Wentz, I don't know if he's even been cleared for contact yet, has he? So even though it's going to be Nick Foles, look, they got the job done last week against Atlanta, against a better football team, top to bottom, than the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think they get it done again. So let's take Philly minus three. Total in the game is 44 points. I think it goes over. Tampa Bay's defense was not very good in that game. Philly's defense is, but I, 44, it's kind of a middling number. I'm still going to go over on it in Philly, Tampa Bay. Let's go to Washington now where the Redskins, fresh off of a 24-6 victory in Arizona, get to welcome the Indianapolis Colts coming off that 34-23 loss against the Bengals. Washington was a team that did its job at home last season. They won five of their eight home games. They were, weren't were very good on the road, two and six, but they're not on the road this week. We don't have to worry about that. They were five and three at home last season. Colts obviously had a bad season last year, four and 12. They were particularly bad on the road. They only won one of their seven road games last season and only won one of their four games against an NFC opponent will be a tall task for them, especially given that Washington looked dominant on offense in week one against Arizona. I personally felt like Arizona was going to be better defensively than they were in that first week, but oh, they very much were not. Uh, Washington, 247 yards through the air. That's obviously a downgrade. You go from Kirk Cousins, it's going to be a bit of a downgrade, but on the ground, whew, holy crap, 182 yards on the ground. Unbelievable. Adrian Peterson, Chris Thompson, they just, they were dominant. They just dominated the game on the ground. Now, Indianapolis did relatively well in the run game on defense in week one against Cincy. They only gave up 101 yards on the ground. Yeah, it's triple digits, but I mean, it certainly could be worse. And it's definitely an improvement on the 120 yards a game they gave up all across last season. But this is not a great run defense. If Washington wants to duplicate that game plan, I think the Colts are going to be in a lot of trouble here. They're going to be playing from behind early. That's got to be my lean in this football game. I'm going to definitely take Washington at home to beat the Colts. I don't think this is going to be a particularly close game. I like Andrew Luck. I like what Andrew Luck is capable of doing. He looked fairly decent in that game last week. But this is also a Washington secondary that was a top 10 secondary last season, only giving up 214 yards passing. The only gave up 145 in that week one matchup in Arizona. This is a good secondary. So a good secondary that is going to test Andrew Luck, test his abilities. 
I just don't think he's going to necessarily be up for this test. Let's take the Redskins. On the line, Washington favored by five and a half points at home. Feels like a lot to me, but I don't particularly trust the Colts defense. So it's less than a touchdown. I'm going to take it. I like Washington minus the five and a half points. Total in the game is 45 and a half. I think it goes over. I don't think it sails. I think this is actually a pretty damn good number. But for two good offenses, let's take the over here. Go over 45 and a half. Let's go to Los Angeles now where the Rams are going to play host to the aforementioned Arizona Cardinals who really didn't look great on either side of the ball. Offensively, they didn't look great. Defensively, they didn't look great. When you're talking about the Rams, like I watched that whole game last night, the late game. And for the first half or almost first three quarters of that football game, I even tweeted it. I was like, the Rams are not impressing me right now. Like, Goff is underperforming. Uh, Gurley's doing fine, but he only had about 14 touches of the football by that point. Uh, the defense was at least playing up to task. They had two interceptions, I believe, at that point, or an interception and two sacks or something like that. But really, they weren't particularly impressive. And I don't know if uh, Sean McVay follows me on Twitter, but as soon as I tweeted that, they started playing incredibly. It's like they forgot what time the game started. Once they actually got into the football game, they, they were dominant. And they completely ran away with that game late on the offensive side and on the defensive side. I don't think they're going to have to worry about that this week. They're not going to have to worry about playing from behind or playing in a tight game. I think the Rams roll in this football game. So let's take Los Angeles at home to beat Arizona. Don't think Arizona is a team that travels particularly well. On the line, though, the Rams are favored by 10.5 points. Like, I don't think this is going to be an overly competitive game. But, man, 11 points? Do I think this is a two-possession game? I don't think it is. I feel like Arizona might come in with like the backdoor cover on this or something. And double-digit spreads always make me nervous anyway. So let's hedge our bets on this one. We're going to go Arizona plus the 10.5 points. Again, for the first half and a little more of the Rams game last night, I didn't think they looked all that great. If that happens a second time, maybe this game is closer than I think it will be. But we're going to go Arizona plus 10 and a half. Total in the game is 47. That's another really good total. I think it probably goes over. That's a tough one for me, but we're going to go over in that one of 47 points in Arizona, Los Angeles. Let's go to Denver now where the Broncos get to stay at home after successfully defending home turf against the Seattle Seahawks. They get to welcome in the Oakland Raiders. And Oakland, I think, has to sit there feeling like, man, we so gave that Monday nighter away. Things were going fairly well for the Raiders. Jared Cook was playing dominant football. And uh, they just, uh, in that second half, man, they just, they, they couldn't, they had no answer. They had no answer for Todd Gurley. They had no answer for what the Rams decided to do in the second half of that game. Certainly not going to put the Denver Broncos in the same offensive category as uh, as Los Angeles, but it's it's worth pointing out the Broncos put up 470 yards on Seattle last week. 324 of them came through the air. They ran on them too. They did whatever they wanted on the offensive side of the football. Meanwhile, Oakland's defense was mediocre. I mean, the secondary was fine, only gave up 225 to Goff, but Goff is not a huge yardage quarterback as it is. 
The run game, Oakland had nothing. They gave up 140 yards to Todd Gurley. Look, that's going to happen this season. Todd Gurley's going to get his yards, but they, they gave up 140. They could not stop the run game in their own building with the crowd advantage. They don't have the crowd advantage this week. They're going to go to Denver. They ain't going to have the crowd advantage in Denver. I think as long as the Broncos avoid the turnovers that they had a bit of an issue with in the Seattle game, I don't think this is going to be particularly close. I'm on the Broncos here all day. We're going to hammer the Broncos at home. I got Denver beating Oakland. On the line, Denver's favored by four and a half points. It's more than a field goal, which usually makes me squirrely in division games. But I'm actually going to go with this. I didn't like what I saw from Oakland last night. So we're going to go Denver minus four and a half at home against Oakland. Total in the game is 45 points. I think you stay under on it. I think Oakland's defense will try to play a little bit better, certainly focusing on the run game, but I think there will be a ton of running in this football game, certainly up until the latter stages of the game. I think it stays under the 45 points. Now to what is perhaps the game of the week, the Jacksonville Jaguars at home taking on the New England Patriots. Both of these teams won last week. Jacksonville winning 20 to 15, New England 27 to 20. If you'll remember, I did not pick Jacksonville to beat the Giants last week. The Giants were like my upset special of the week. It was a five-point game, but Jacksonville did get the job done. I'm incredibly concerned about Leonard Fournette. As far as I'm concerned, Leonard Fournette is the key to Jacksonville winning this football game. You can't trust a thing Doug Marone says about the health of his running backs. He lied about it multiple times last year. I think he's probably lying about it now with his minor hamstring injury. I think it might be a little bit more than that. We're going to have to wait until Wednesday to see what practice looks like. But if Leonard Fournette plays, I think Jacksonville's got a great chance in this game because New England proved last week they can't stop the run. If Fournette doesn't play, it's all going to be on TJ Yeldon to lead the run game for Jacksonville. Now, it's worth pointing out, Yeldon had a fairly decent game when he came in. 14 carries, 51 yards, but that's still less than 4 yards a carry. It it changes the dynamic big time. Luckily, I had the foresight in my league where I own Leonard Fournette to actually draft TJ Yeldon as his handcuff, so I may have drafted a starting running back this week. It's entirely possible. I'll be really interested to follow that injury report, but if Leonard Fournette plays, and I gotta feel, because like he played through ankle issues last season, so he probably does play, I think Jacksonville wins this football game. I was not crazy impressed with the Patriots last week. They won the game, don't get me wrong. They won the game by a full touchdown. But I just, I don't know. I just wasn't overly impressed by it. it. That team still feels like it's Gronk and nothing else. Having to hit the road, go to Jacksonville, play a great defense against Jacksonville. I just like the Jags in this one. Call it a gut feeling. Call it an upset pick, if you will. I'm going to take Jacksonville at home to beat New England, assuming, of course, that Leonard Fournette plays. On the line, Jacksonville's a two-point dog at home. I like him to win straight up. Take Jacksonville, plus two. Total in the game is 45 points. I don't think it sails over, but I think it probably crawls, creeps, crawls. Might have to be drug kicking and screaming over the total. I could see like maybe a 46 or a 47. It's going to be very close, but I would take the over in that one. So let's take over 45 points. Let's go to Dallas now. We're going to see a division matchup between the Cowboys and the Giants. Both of these teams on the losing end of things last week, as they were frequently last season. 
these two teams just to combine 12 and 20 last year, of course, due in no small part to the fact that the Giants were 3 and 13. Eli Manning is still one of the biggest question marks in football. I think this is probably his last season of being even capable of playing in the NFL. So I I would say this is probably his last dance. Saquon Barkley, I thought, had a fine game in his first showing against a really good defense. Dallas, in the meantime, oh boy. Like, I mean, they got their 94 yards rushing, so the rushing attack was all right. But 138 yards in the past game from Dak Prescott, that's not good. That's not going to be good enough. Giants didn't particularly do anything right on defense last season. They gave up 252 yards per game through the air. That was the second worst secondary in football ahead of only Tampa Bay. But they also gave up a buck 20 on the ground, which was like bottom 10 in the league. So defensively, you can definitely move the ball on this football team however you want to. I don't know if Dallas is going to. Dallas is maybe one of the most unpredictable teams for me to cap right now feel like this is going to be an incredibly tight game. I, I think, I kind of feel like going with the Giants again. This would be the second straight week I'd take the Giants in an upset. Because on the line, this is an upset pick. I think I'm going to take the Giants on the road here. I gotta, ultimately, I gotta see Dallas do it. Once I see Dallas do it, then great. That offensive line is not what it was last season or two seasons ago. Dak Prescott is not who he was in his rookie season. Zeke Elliott looks like he's fine. But if the Giants can stuff eight in the box and force the force Dak Prescott to have to beat them, I don't know that he's going to beat them. And I think the Giants could come up here with a one or two point victory. So going to be a tight game one way or the other. But I'm going to take the Giants on the road in Dallas to beat the Cowboys. Also, stop chuckling about me saying stuff eight men in the box. On the line, Dallas a three-point favorite here at home. Giants three-point dogs on the road. I think no matter which way you go in this game, you should be taking the Giants plus three. Hedge your bets in this. Division matchup. Anything can happen. Take those three points. Giants plus three. Total in the game is 42.5. Again, it's a pretty good total, I think. I think it goes over because there's question marks about both of these defenses. So I think it goes over. Let's go over 42.5 points. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks sees the Chicago Bears, who impressed me personally, take on the Seattle Seahawks in Chicago. This is our second instance of back-to-back road games to kick off the season. Seattle going from Denver to Chicago, now having to go into Soldier Field to play the Bears. Uh, There's no other way to describe it, even as a Packers fan. Chicago should have won that game. Like, Chicago had that game won. The defense looked great. The offense could really move the ball on the ground and could even move the ball through the air a little bit. I think Mitch Trubisky just got, you know, flustered by the Green Bay crowd. Once the Green Bay crowd got into the game when Aaron Rodgers came back, it was like, oh crap. I think at that point, the mind of Mitch Trubisky literally clicked over and said, oh my God, we're going to lose this game. Or even in a joking manner, say, yeah, geez, imagine if we lost this game. Well, they did. I don't think that's going to happen this week because they're obviously in friendly confines. They're against a team that lost last week on the road, back-to-back road games. I don't want to insinuate that Chicago's looking past Seattle because if they do that, I don't think things are going to end well for them. But I think Chicago feels right now they can beat Seattle, and I feel that they can too. You're talking about a run attack for Chicago that put up, what was that, 130... 
Uh, we're looking here. I, I had the number and then I lost it. 139 yards on the ground going up against a Seattle defense that just gave up a buck 46 to Denver. So 100 yards rushing, I think, should be money in the bank in this football game between Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. I think if Chicago's defense comes to play, Seattle's not going to have much for it. It's going to be Russell Wilson and that's it. And I don't think Russell Wilson on his own is good enough to win that football game. And, I mean, he was on his own last week, and it didn't work out for him. So let's take Chicago at home. I got the Bears beating the Seahawks. On the line, Bears are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I got to hedge my bets on that one because it's more than a field goal. These are not two good football teams. These are two football teams with good pieces. And more than a field goal, it's just too much for me. So I'm going to hedge my bets there and go Seattle plus three and a half at Chicago. Total in the game is 43 points. I think you got to go over on it. I mean, Chicago, I think, is going to score plenty of points in this. Seattle is capable of scoring points with Russell Wilson. The run game needs to pick it up. Carson did not impress me, but, you know, they got to pick it up a little bit. But I think there's points to be scored there as well. Let's go over 43 points in Chicago, Seattle. All right, folks, platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week two of the 2018 NFL season. We're going to start with the bronze pick where I am 0-1 straight up, 1-0 against the spread, and 0-1 on the over-under. My bronze pick sees the San Francisco 49ers playing host to the Detroit Lions. I am all on San Francisco in this football game. I am hammering them because they lost... Granted, they lost in week one, but they lost a one-possession game against a team that's probably going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. That impressed me to a degree that I, I can't particularly put into words right now. Whereas Detroit, aside from the pick six that started the game, which was like, oh, here we go. Lions defense finally turned the corner. Lions defense is going to be great. They they, they just they got destroyed. By the Jets. San Francisco is better than the Jets. So they're going to get destroyed this week as well. And they were in Detroit. They're not in Detroit. That defense does not play well on the road. Detroit does not travel very well. They got across the country. San Francisco wins this game in a walk. Take the 49ers at home. And on the line, this is like my favorite line of the week. San Francisco is only favored by three points in this game. Uh, bet your mortgage on that one, folks. San Francisco minus three at home against Detroit. Total in the game is 47 and a half points. I think you take the over on it because I think San Fran is going to put up a bucket load of points. Maybe San Fran clears it on their own. We saw it happen last week. It could happen again this week. San Francisco straight up. 49ers minus three over 47 and a half. That is your bronze pick. My silver pick, which I swept last week, 1-0 straight up against the spread and over-under, sees the New Orleans Saints playing host to the Cleveland Browns. Now, I'm on New Orleans in this one because I have to believe that Tampa Bay game was an aberration. It was an outlier. I have to believe that. This team is, is built to be a playoff team. The defense is better than it was last week. Cleveland, they were losing that game in Pittsburgh, I believe, either 21-0 or 21-7, something like that. They were losing that football game. Granted, they came back to tie. There was a bunch of weird stuff in that overtime that happened to, to cause that game to end in a tie. Quite frankly, Cleveland was lucky not to lose that game. After seeing them now in week one and seeing what that football team looks like, I don't particularly think 
that they're nearly as good as they thought they were. And that was a game at home. Now they get to travel down to Nolens to take on a very high-powered offense in the Saints. I got the Saints in this football game. Let's take New Orleans at home to beat Cleveland. On the line, Saints, another big number. They're favored by eight points here. I'm going to take it again because I do think the Saints are going to be able to put up whatever they want to put up on points. Cleveland, I think they're going to get their points as well. Again, can't particularly trust the Saints defense right now. So the total in the game is 50. We got to go over on that one. I just think the Saints are going to put up a ton of points. So let's take New Orleans minus eight. So Saints win the game straight up. We're going to take the Saints minus eight against the spread in a game that goes over 50 points. That is your silver pick. My gold pick, which I also swept last week, 1-0 straight up against the spread and over-under, sees the Pittsburgh Steelers at home welcoming in the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, this might seem like a weird game for me to have taken here. You got Pittsburgh coming in off of the, an inexplicable tie in a division game, taking on Kansas City, who won last week, won a division game, won it by two possessions, on the road, why would I be taking Pittsburgh in this game so confidently that it's my gold pick? Kansas City, now playing back-to-back -back road games. Again, it's not, not great. It's not a fun thing to have to do against a Pittsburgh team that is very good. James Conner is the real deal. He showed that in the game last week. Pittsburgh's going to be able to do whatever they want in this game on offense. Let me hit you with some numbers here. Chiefs, total defense from last season, 365 yards against number 28 in the NFL. We take a look at the secondaries. We're going to find Kansas City, 247 passing yards against number 29 in the NFL. Going to look at run defense, 118.1 yards against number 25 in the NFL. If we look at what they did last week on defense, they were not great. They gave up 123 yards rushing. They gave up 418 yards passing to Phillip Rivers. Kansas City's defense is very much pregnable. You can do whatever you want on the Kansas City Chiefs defense, and you got to hope that the offense keeps pace. They did last week. I don't think they're going to this week. That's why I'm so heavily on Pittsburgh in this one. Let's take the Steelers at home to beat the Chiefs. On the line, Pittsburgh favored by five and a half points at home. I, mm, boy, five and a half. Like, these are two good football teams. As heavily as I'm on Pittsburgh to win this football game straight up, I think I kind of got to go KC plus five and a half. Uh, I got to hedge the bets. I hedged the bets last week and it worked. So let's hedge the bets one more time. We'll go Chiefs plus five and a half. Total in the game is 53 points. I got to believe it goes over. Two very good offenses. Kansas City's defense can't stop anything. Kansas City's defense probably would have given up 40 points to a CFL team. <laughs> like, just based on the yardage, they're giving up a ton, man. So, we're going to go over in this one, even though it's one of the highest totals, if not the highest total. Yeah, it's the highest total of the week. Over 53 points. So, Pittsburgh wins the game straight up. I like Kansas City plus five and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 53 points. That is your gold pick. And the platinum pick where I missed both straight up and against the spread last week, but I did at least hit the total to go 1-0 on the over-under, sees the Buffalo Bills playing host to the Los Angeles Chargers. Lightning's not going to strike twice here for the Chargers, even though they are very much 
the hard luck Brian of the NFL. Um, I mean, Buffalo, seriously, like Buffalo played like garbage and they're going to be garbage all season, whether it's Peterman back there, whether it's Josh Allen, if you can't protect them, you're not going to do anything. They got blown out by Baltimore last week. The Chargers are going to blow them out this week. Let's take Los Angeles on the road in Buffalo to beat the Bills. On the line, Chargers are favored by a full touchdown, seven points. Take that. Chargers minus seven at Buffalo. Total in the game set at 43 points. I think you have to take the over here because the Chargers, with that offense, are capable of clearing that on their own. So we're going to go over the 43. Chargers straight up. Chargers minus seven against the spread. Over 43 points. That is your platinum pick. All right, folks, those are your week two picks. As a reminder, you can find them in the description to the YouTube video. It's time for the comment of the week from the week one video. And the comment of the week goes to my boy, Jackie Boy. He's been a viewer of mine and a Twitter follower for a long, long time. Jackie Boy chimes in with, I think it's time to break out the game day hoodie. It's been a while. It was definitely time to break out the game day hoodie last week. Thank you, Jackie. Break it out again this week, my friend. Yours is the comment of the week from the week one video. There you have it, folks. That's the week two show in the books. That's it for me, Justin. Bridgewater's finest on YouTube. Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Fueled, as always, by the great folks at Nerd Tees. Go to nerdtees.ca. Use that promo code BWFINEST. Going to save you 15% at checkout. Free shipping in Canada. Any order over 50 bucks. Get the great conversion on the US dollar as well. Get yourself something to love at Nerd Tees. That's the episode for this week. I can't wait to see you again for week three. CFL picks coming out tomorrow. I apologize for the lateness of this week's episode, but man, that Monday night doubleheader. I mean, you got to watch it. You can't not watch it, right? So apologize for the lateness. It will be out quicker next week and from here on out. But uh, enjoy the picks. Enjoy the games. We'll see you again for week three.